Welcome back to the Learning and Community Podcast, where every week we explore resources and ideas to maximize the impact of youth workers across our community. This is part two of our special interview with 15-year Seattle YFC veteran, Min Tabusi. If you haven't checked out episode nine, I would encourage you to give it a listen for the first half of this interview. You won't want to miss any of the tips she offers along the way. Here's part two. Yeah. I have a whole list of things I'm going to write in a book about stuff that I learned. <laughs> well, I think what's crazy is that you say a lot of things that I've heard before in the youth ministry community, mm-hmm. but you're the only person I know besides like maybe Doug who's actually done those things mm-hmm. and like been consistent. Like I hear a lot of people talk about longevity. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people about longevity, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like, or who have like spent time pursuing yeah. young people in a particular community who've been around long enough to build trust across an entire community mm-hmm. to the point where moms are talking to other moms about you. Like I just, I just don't know a lot of people who have done that. So mm-hmm. when I say that, I'm not joking. Like I really do believe that the work that you've sewn into this community is not like a lot of other leaders yeah. yeah, and it's unique. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Also, I think it, it speaks to a little bit of a systemic problem with how much we pay and look at youth pastors or youth workers because I have lived off of very meager means for a very long time, Yeah, you know, and now I'm in a place where I make a living wage, but as youth workers in the church or in nonprofits, often you don't get paid enough mm-hmm. to like live. It's like you may be called to something, but you can't live yeah. and do that and sustain yeah. it. It's not possible. Yeah. So I've known over my life, because we partner with churches all over the communities and counties, I know very few people who've stayed in youth ministry longer than three, five, ten years, you know, whatever. And a lot of the reason is because they cannot afford just to support themselves and or if they have a family right and so there are definitely sacrifices on my end to been able to stick it out and those sacrifices not everyone can afford to make and I don't judge anybody for that but systemically if we really want to invest and believe in our youth and see the long-term fruit our organizations and churches have to learn how to pay people better especially in an area like the northwest Mm -hmm. where it's very expensive to live yeah it's extremely expensive they say in the seattle area it's impossible for a family to live off of anything less than sixty thousand dollars a year well so you look at that and you go oh Like, how many youth pastor jobs or youth ministry jobs even pay that right right and god is good he does provide yeah. But also, if we live in such an expensive area, mm-hmm. like fundraising probably should look a little different so we can sustain our youth. And this is a good time to bring that to light, right? Because sure we're in an is. area <laughs> and in an era where Black Lives Matter, social justice, racial injustice is in the front of everybody's minds right now. But it's no surprise to anybody who's been working in urban youth work. Mm-hmm. None of this is a surprise to us. And yet now it's like everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so right. we're like, okay, right. we've been doing this. Right. <laughs> like Maybe some monetary shifts can change so that you're investing more in the youth workers who actually make a relational difference in the communities and our community advocates and who have been for a while. Yeah. yeah. It's not just a fad. This totally. has been our life and our passion. But, you know, I grew up knowing you have to get your driver's license. You have to have insurance. 
those are just like menial examples. Okay, that was easy for me because my parents had insurance and they just put me on their insurance and paid for it for a while and they paid for me to go to driver's ed. We had those financial means. So then I step into families who have parents who are working two jobs each, you know, and just surviving, you know, working as hard as they can to make ends meet. And they can't afford to put four or six of their children through driver's ed. Right. So while I do think it's important to go through driver's ed, I also understand the financial implications of that. And that driver's ed has doubled or tripled in cost since I went through it because it used to be part of this public school program. Mm. So it's somewhat subsidized and they removed it. It's all privatized now. So the cost has gone up. So for us, we can harsh on kids up for that all we want. We can pick our battles <laughs> or we can work. And if a kid's willing to, we find donors or I paid for half of the students, driver's ed myself, just because I saw it as a value. So it's one thing to, to judge somebody for <laughs> what they're not doing right, but then to recognize some of the lack of resourcing around them or the deficiencies around them and say, okay, but I can help with that. Yeah, I can help resource that. And that way it creates a path for them to do that. So again, you decide how, what are your battles? <laughs> are you going to pick those battles? Are you going to stand on your high horse on all these things? No. Like I'm going to state what's right and wrong and how I feel about things, but I'm also going to understand all the nuances that go into living and existing in our country. It's very complex. Yeah. Even for somebody who speaks English and grew up here, if you go to a government website and try to read and find anything on a government website to navigate it, it's so confusing. <laughs> right. I spent hours trying to navigate things on the right. Department of Licensing and if other it's in your language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so understanding that. But then the other piece is, and I listened to a podcast a long time ago about creativity and how creativity comes from diversity and from mm. having many voices and multiple voices and so while there's aspects of culture that i don't understand or may want to change i also see it as more of a value mm. to have diverse voices and people at the table one for creative sake like they bring more to the table and i understand and learn so much more but also from what we know of scripture we're all God's creation. We mm -hmm. all are the image of God. And if you're only spending time with people representing one aspect of the image of God, you're missing the fullness in the image of God. Uh -huh. right? So like if I'm only around white people, I'm only seeing an empteenth fraction. Right. <laughs> if that's even a measurement. That's right. Of, <laughs> uh, yep. Of who God is. So I get to experience and be a part of the, of encountering who God is in the image of him yeah. and his fullness to even greater levels when I'm around black people and brown people and Asian people and yeah. people who are from other Eastern European cultures like that is so life-giving. But oftentimes we're socially trained to fear the other and fear what we don't know and what we don't understand. And the defense mechanisms is to judge from our insecurities or just to judge or like put up a barrier in some way and we see those systems all throughout our country and that's not of god the jewish people have been immigrants and refugees jesus was an immigrant and a refugee yeah our country is built on immigrants and refugees the whole narrative from the beginning of time abraham traveled and moved around he was an immigrant all of these people are a part of who god is in this history and narrative of god yeah. 
So my life is richer. The lives of people around me are richer. Our capacity to create and understand life is so much richer when we have people from all different walks of life. So there is a little bit of selfishness in that because I want to experience who God is. And I know I will when I'm around other people. Now, does that mean I'm going to be refined and have to learn a lot and humble myself? Because I realized that a lot of the things that I thought I knew for certain... (laughs) Because I grew up white or a certain way or wrong and or different or there's something different about that. Sure, absolutely. It's, I'm always learning. So I guess that's back to like why I'm still in it. I think it's probably a lot of it is because I'm still learning. Mm. Like I'm not bored. I'm still, I'm always learning. There's always something new yeah. um, that's evolving and changing in culture and youth culture and cross-cultural work is always changing and growing and evolving. So it's definitely keeping me on my toes and, and I like being challenged and learning more. Y'all know what it is. It's time for take three. Do y'all want to write off top, Josh? Oh, I was just thinking, uh, Pray. <laughs> That's usually what it is. No, I was like, I did not say to pray, but you should. Folks need to be praying. <laughs> that would be folks. a false takeaway because I never mentioned Josh prayer. is going to no, come up with his own podcast. Folks, folks need to pray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, and every week do. it's just him being like, did y'all pray? I know y'all didn't pray. Right. Well, then go back and do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> no thoughts. See you next week. <laughs> uh, I was thinking uh, just one being a learner. And yeah. trying to understand. And I think for Minta, it was she didn't make the kids assimilate to her culture. She assimilated to theirs. Yeah. And that was a big one. Um, I think one of the things that you said that stood out to me the most is you asked the question, who fights for these kids? Mm-hmm. You like zeroed in on a margin that you honestly weren't paying attention to prior to. Yeah your work in the CLL class. God gave you eyes to see something that you hadn't seen before. You asked the right question, but then your response to engage was fueled by the empathy that you talked about. And even if you didn't like understand the full picture, like there was a desire to know. Um, And so I guess my takeaway from that piece is that when God puts something on our hearts, the action point is empathy. Because it can just sit on your heart and you can be passive about it yeah. and not do anything. Or you, like empathy can move you to action. To me, in your story, that's what that has looked like. Making empathy an action word in that way. Yeah. Last right. thing that you said too that was really cool to me was when you said creativity comes from diversity. Yeah. I think diversity allows us to, to have kind of a leg up mm-hmm. in this time of a pandemic. Yeah. Like when you have to start everything from scratch. When you have to start over completely. Yeah. If you have all the same minds in the room... Or the same experiences in the room, it's going to be really hard for you to come up with something innovative. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really hard for you to imagine the future. Yeah, We have a future in this country where we're going to be predominantly people of color in like the next 20 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that combined with the fact that literally the way we have functioned up until this point is going to be completely flipped on its head. Yeah. We're desperate for... Yeah. diversity to bring that creativity yeah. into our spaces and that's relevant for the church it's relevant for our economic society it's relevant for social justice like i think a lot of people i hear right now just saying like what do i do i'm so yeah. stuck yeah like, well you haven't immersed yourself yeah, right. creative in the creative culture of jesus mm-hmm. right and that doesn't mean just getting one black friend or one mexican friend that means truly like stepping into a culture with eyes wide open yeah willingness to learn but also not 
expecting them to be your teachers in like a tutoring way where you sit down one-on-one and they teach you everything. Mm -hmm. No, you step in as an observer and learn by observation. (laughs) And as you go, you can have some questions, but you don't just get it through one-on-one. You get it through like being a part of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. This week's take three is be a learner, treat empathy as action, and creativity comes through diversity. Thanks for joining us, Vinta. You're welcome. You're to come back. I will. Bring our whole team, actually. That'd be a fun one. <laughs> you could interview everybody. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in to the Learning and Community Podcast. Just a reminder, you can find us anywhere and everywhere on the internet, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TacomaYFC.org, and whatever platform you're listening on right now. We want to thank you so much for joining us on this journey of learning how to podcast. This is episode 10, and we would love, love, love your feedback. So if you have any feedback, feel free to send me an email at rachel at tacomayfc.org or to josh at josh at tacomayfc.org. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast, how you've been processing it with your community, what you've been taking away from it, maybe how it's helped boost or build your ministry. Have a great week, y'all.